music. Thank you so much. Yeah, it's a blessing. I got tickled when it said the stock market might go down. <laughs> I heard somebody say this week that uh, our country uh, retirement programs lost $3 trillion this year. $3 trillion. That's amazing, isn't it? Lots of luck. Okay. Title of my message this morning is Time to Stand Up and Not Give Up. It's time to stand up and not give up. Today we see Americans, America's Christianity, and it seems like they're turning aside from Christ. There are fewer more that are willing to stand up for Christ. It seems like we've become a too casual Christianity. And uh, people are just not taking it too seriously today. And uh, it seems like just a, a, a little opposition, a little difficulty that comes into our life causes a lot of believers not to keep the faith or they're somewhat ashamed to stand up for Christ. And I, I was thinking when I was preparing this, just think about the other countries of what some believers are going through today. Uh, you ought to pull up sometime on the webpage, uh, Martyrs for Christ, or Persecution of Christians, something like that, those webpages. And it's amazing what's going on in communistic countries like Russia and China, North Korea and Venezuela and so on, Central America. Uh, it's amazing what's going on in Arab Islamic Muslim nations like Turkey and Iran, Pakistan and Saudi Arabia. Uh, idolatry like the many gods of India that they worship and they're persecuting Christians left and right in India right now. And then you have the Ukraine. And what if you're a believer and you're in Ukraine right now? My goodness. And so you see the persecution. The persecution is going on, and it's getting stronger and stronger. Now, that persecution is coming to our country before it's over. A nation cannot turn its back on God like America has and still be free of that kind of persecution. It has to come. God's justice and holiness will be vindicated one day, and we will be at the consequence of that. But here in America, it's other things. People stop living for Christ. They don't stand up for Christ because of priorities. Other things are more important than Christ. They love these other things more than they love Christ. Sometimes it's because of pleasure, the attractions, the temptations that are out there, and our flesh likes those things. We're sort of like Demas today. He forsook Paul for the things, the cares of this world. And that's what Americans are following today for sure because of pressure. A lot of people, they want to be accepted by other people. In order to be accepted, you have to keep your mouth shut and don't tell anybody you're a Christian today. <laughs> it's awful what's actually happening and what's going on today. And then perhaps because some people are just phonies. <laughs> you know, there's a lot of people saying they're going to heaven, ain't going to heaven. There's a lot of people that are like Judas. He walked with Christ, but yet he was of the devil and he was not a saved individual person. Some other people quit because of the power of the flesh. 
Their old nature's in control. Their resisting ability is next to nil, and they could give in just about anything. And so our persecution, in a sense, are the flourishing things that this evil world system offers us. Uh, I remember the story of the one pastor, a missionary, asked him, a friend of mine, asked him, said, would you like to come to America? And he said, oh, no, no, no. And he had been in prison in Russia and everything. He said, there are too many temptations in America. And he didn't want to come to America. So ours is kind of a different kind at this time. But God has a desire for you and for me that are believers. 1 Corinthians 15, 58. Therefore, my beloved brethren, be ye steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, for as much as you know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. God wants us as believers just to stick by the stuff. Uh, not to give up, but to stand up. Amen? Galatians he says, and let us not be weary in well-doing, for in due season we shall reap if we faint not. In our early church history, persecution was terrible. Believers were told, they were commanded, that when they came into contact with Romans, that they were to bow and say, Caesar is Lord. And many times, Christians who loved Christ they would bow and they would say, Jesus is Lord. Even though they knew that would cause them to be killed. It wasn't long until they were thrown to the lions or used as human torches to light the Colosseum at nighttime so they could have their games. An awful time. Under the Colosseum, by the way, in the catacombs, if you've ever been there, some of you have been there, and you will find that there are scriptures on the walls uh, that those believers waiting for their doom wrote on those walls, trusting in God. And you step back and you ask yourself, what was it that motivated them? I don't know how many of you have ever read Fox's Book of Martyrs. Anybody ever read that? Great book, you need to get it. Just shows you. What took place back in those days, if you didn't believe, according to Roman Catholicism, millions were killed. Uh, I mean, millions. They go into a town of 75,000 and level it, kill everybody. I mean, it was amazing what was taking place back then. And then the trail of blood. Uh, they'd have uh, for five miles uh, long, um, just every other feet, a pole with a head on top of it, of those individual believers that would not turn their back on Christ, but stood up for their faith. God help us to have some Christians that are willing to go all the way for Jesus Christ, if necessary. Our apostle, Paul, at Lystra Iconium, they didn't like his preaching, so they took him out and they stoned him to death, I believe. And God raised him back up from that. And then uh, Paul and Silas, they were in Acts 16. The magistrates allowed a mob there to attack them, to uh, what beat them and uh, made a show of them and then threw them into prison 
in the inner prison and then put stocks on their feet. And you ask yourself, what motivated Paul and Silas to stand so strong like that? And then even later on when they're released, 1 Thessalonians 2.2, but even after that we had suffered before and were shamefully entreated, as you know, at Philippi, we were bold in our God to speak unto you the gospel of God. Even though we've been through all of this persecution stuff, I want you to know we didn't bend. We stood straight and we gave them the gospel. What motivates a person to be willing to do that? And then you read Paul's statement in 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 23 through 29. You see all the things, the trials, the sufferings, the beatings, the imprisonments, the shipwrecks, uh, the three times being beating, being beaten 39 stripes each time. And you think of this man, Paul, it's unbelievable what he went through. But Paul says this at the end of that passage, who is weak? And I am not weak. Even though he went through all of that, what kept Paul pressing, persistent, in, such, in the midst of such opposition, persecution, and disappointments? You think Paul was ever disappointed? It states this in 2 Timothy 1.15, This thou knowest that all they which are in Asia be turned away from me. Those people that he had won to Christ, those places where he had started churches, churches in Asia Minor, turning their back. You think Paul was disappointed? But at the end of his life, he said in 2 Timothy chapter 4, For I am now ready to be offered, and the time of my departure is at hand. I have fought a good fight. I have finished my course. I have kept the faith. Henceforth there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, shall give me at that day, and not to me only, but unto all them also that love his appearing. Yeah, Paul was beaten, persecuted, disappointed, but at the end of his life, he said, they're getting ready to chop my head off, but I kept the faith. What motivated Paul to go to that extent? And there are two reasons why Paul and us, we can stand up today. The first one is his God. And that's the same for us, our God. Our God, he hears us. He hears us when other people hardly ever listen to us. <laughs> Even when we feel unworthy at times, he still hears us. You ever go to the Lord and you had a bad week <laughs> spiritually? You had some ups and downs? You feel unworthy to go to him? You know, Paul felt that way at times. He says in 1 Corinthians 15, 9, he says, For I am the least of the apostles that am not meet to be called an apostle because I persecuted the church of God. He said, I don't even deserve to be called an apostle. And sometimes because of our lives, we're in too many valleys, we feel unworthy to go to God. But God says this in Philippians 4, 6. He says this, Be careful for nothing but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. Let your requests be made known unto God. 
God says, you know something? I know you've had a bad week, but I want you to know I still want to hear from you. I want to hear your prayers. I want you to speak to me. He hears us. Also, he encourages us. When we're down, when there's not hardly anybody around that understands who we truly are, where can we go? We can go to him, can't we? You know, David, in his life, some enemy came in and took his wife, kids, and the other fellows, husbands, I mean, uh, wives and children and so on, and took them away, captured them. And before David went after him, he got alone and encouraged himself in God. You know, God's the only one who has the words of life. That's what Peter said. He said, where would we go? You're the one who has the words of life. Romans 15, 13, he says this. Now the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing that you may abound in hope through the power of the Holy Ghost. You know, there's hope in God, isn't there? Amen? And then also, my God, he's forgiven us. If you've put your faith in Christ, and what I mean by that, you've acknowledged you're a sinner. There's nothing you can do on your own to save you. But you heard the truth of the gospel of grace, that you don't do anything of human effort at all. You just need to believe that Jesus Christ is Son of God. He went to Calvary's cross, took your place, died for your sins, was buried, and rose again. If you will put your faith in Christ, then he becomes your God, but then he forgives you. And not only does he do a good job in forgiving us, he forgives us of all our sin. He's our God. And then also he leads us. I like the old song that says, Jesus led me all the way. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 is still true. Trust in the Lord with all thine heart. Lean not unto thine own understanding. In all thy ways acknowledge him, and he shall direct thy paths. He leads us in big things. I remember I was trying to figure out, what should I do? Uh, it was, I had to go back for one more semester of school at Tennessee Temple. I said, God, what do you want me to do? And I remember I went up into uh, Carol's house, into the bathroom there, shut the door, got on my knees, and I cried out to God, and I had the Word of God there. And it was like it was in Braille. I looked down, and I was reading it, and it came out in Zechariah, that he wanted to build the temple of the Lord. And I got through that as the Spirit of God ministered to me. God wants to build his church. And I came out, and I was sobbing, and I told Carol, God wants us to start a church. I believed that with all my heart. He leads in big things. But also he leads in little things, doesn't he? You know, when Carol goes shopping, she always prays for a parking space. Huh? And most of the time, bam, there it is. And somebody said, ah, coincidence, you don't need to do that garbage. I said, hey, he's a God of the little things. Not only that, he's in our corner. It's good to know that as a believer. He's in our corner. He prays for us. Doesn't he intercede? He has a plan and a purpose for us. 
He protects us. He promises us. 2 Corinthians 1.20 says this, For all the promises of God in him are yea and in him amen. Then he says this in Titus 1.2, In hope of eternal life that God cannot lie, promised. So we have his promises. He preserves us. When you got saved, he took you out of Adam. He placed you in Christ. You're surrounded by the Father and the Holy Spirit in Christ, and nobody can get in there right now. That's why what he starts in you, he can finish in you, because you're in Christ. What motivated these believers to go through persecution? Their God. That's what motivated them. And lastly, his God and his God's love. That's what motivated him. 2 Corinthians 5.14, for the love of Christ constraineth us. The love of Christ, not our love, his love for us. What kind of love is that? Romans 5.8 says this here. But God commendeth his love toward us, and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Even when we were sinners, Christ died for us. Is that amazing or what? We didn't deserve that. What can separate us from the love of Christ? Huh? There's nothing. Nothing. 1 John 3, 1 says this, Behold, what manner of love the Father hath bestowed upon us, that we should be called the sons of God. What love he's demonstrated. That word constraineth in 2 Corinthians, I looked up the Greek word, and it's used in several other places, and it has several meanings. It means that his love captured me. Like Peter's mother-in-law, she was taken with a fever. That word taken is the same word. Christ's love burns within us, he becomes our all in all. It takes us, it seizes us with passion. That's what his love does. His love moves me. It's like when the multitude pressed upon Jesus. That word pressed, it means to be moved by force. God has moved upon believers to follow him. You know, you go to a sporting event, and at the sporting event, you're in a large crowd. And that crowd sometimes presses, and it moves like when the doors open. Boom. And if you're in the midst of that crowd, what do you do? You go with them. <laughs> you're moved right along. And as I look back over the years, his love has forced me, moved me to keep on going. Don't quit. I can't let him down. And then his love captures me. It's like when Jesus was held by a heavy hand of arresting him, when they arrested him. And God arrested me one day, and now I'm his prisoner. I'm his bond slave today. It's like the little song that, that used to be popular, Jesus got a hold of my heart, and he won't let me go. And Jesus got a hold of many of our hearts, and he won't let us go. And then his love consumes me. 
like Paul being pressed in his spirit. It has the idea of being possessed, occupied, captivated. Remember when you met your now spouse, you couldn't see enough of each other. But now... I'm letting you put in the filler. <laughs> a man said, I didn't know that puppy love would lead to a dog's life. But uh, I'm having fun. You remember when you were first saved? You remember what it, you remember what it did to you? I, I've shared before, I've... I would look in the newspaper where churches, I didn't care what kind of church it was, they were having revivals. And back in the old days, they put those in newspaper. The whole page would be revivals. And I'd pick one go to. You see, Jesus got a hold of my heart. Amen. And then also, his love controls me. His love has become like a constraint that helps prevent me from sinning. His love encouraged me to set limits upon my life so that I won't sin but follow his ways. He teaches us how to do that in Romans chapter 12, verse 2. And be not conformed to this world. Don't allow the world to mold you. But be ye transformed. How? By the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. He says in Galatians chapter 1, verse 4, he says, who gave himself for our sins, that he might deliver us from this present. It's not a good world. It's an evil world according to the will of God and our Father. You see, when God saved you, he's trying to take you out from being controlled, molded, following this world. And the only way you can do that is to change your thinking through the word of God. And when you do that, then he controls you. His love changes me. It's like Paul says in Ephesians chapter 4. He says that you put off concerning the former conversation, behavior, the old man, which is corrupt according to the deceitful lust, and be renewed in the spirit of your mind, that you may put on the new man which after God is created in righteousness and true holiness. God's love has caused me to straighten out my life. If you would look at my life before Christ and now after Christ, put it on silent, after Christ, what a change. What a change. That happens to those people who come to Christ. It's taught me Truth, absolute truth. It's taught me priorities. Christ is to be first love. It's taught me sacrifice for his sake, his cause. It's taught me a different way of living, his ways. It's taught me how to solve problems in a biblical way. Here's the problem. Here's what the Bible says. Here's what we do in a practical way. It's taught me about marriage. It's taught me about fatherhood. Thank God his love has changed me and has changed many of you. And lastly, 
his love looks for me. The love of Christ constraineth me. And the very next verse says this. And that he died for all that they which live should not henceforth live unto themselves, but unto him which died for them and rose again. You see, God says, this is what I've done for you. Now, I want you to step up and do something for me. Live for me. Let my life flow through you. Step up. Don't quit. He didn't quit. When he went to Calvary's cross, it could have been easy to call 10,000 angels, right? But he didn't quit. And I believe God's looking to find some believers who will stand up for him in the midst of this unbelieving culture that we live in today, motivated by the love of Christ. Some of you remember the movie, God is Not Dead, right? And a move of God started when only one student stood up and stated he believed God was real. And that helped some of the others throughout its course to not be silent about their faith and that God is real. And God's looking for some people like you and me to do that. The great old-time Jewish evangelist, Hyman Appleman, a lot of you have not heard of him, some have, he spoke at my baccalaureate. Being Jewish, he became a Christian. He decided he needed to go to school to get some learning and to become a preacher. His Jewish family were so upset with him because he had converted to Christianity. They went to the train station with him as he was getting ready to go to school. And they said this to him at the train station. If you board that train, you will be disowned by this family and you are never to contact your family ever again. Hyman Appleman said his goodbyes, boarded the train, and went off to school at that time. Somebody at school said, ask him, how could you do that in the midst of that? And he said, with tears running down his face, this is true. He said, when he said goodbye to them, he was not looking at them. He was looking past them to a hill called Mount Calvary, where one hung on that cross and demonstrated his love for him. How could he not demonstrate his love for Christ? Hyman Appleman was a great man. Let me ask you a question. How many people have you in your lifetime actually won to Christ? One? Two? Five? Hundred? Hyman Appleman through Christ's power and the grace gospel, of course, won thousands upon thousands upon thousands of people to Christ 
back in his days. What if he had not stood up? Even though he knew his family would forsake him, what if he had not had stood up? What motivated him? Just like everybody else, his God and his God's love. That was enough to say, I'm standing all the way for Jesus Christ. How about you right now? Are you willing to stand up for Christ? Are you willing to be counted for the gospel of grace? We have a message that most of Christendom doesn't have. It's in our hands, and we can't let it slip out. Regardless of what's going on around us culturally, governmentally, our streets and all these things, regardless of what, there has to be a group of believers that stand up on the truth of the word of God and God's grace. He's God. His God is your God, and his God loves. That should be enough for all of us to just say, God, here I am. Let's bow our heads. With your heads bowed, nobody looking around for a moment. If you're here this morning, and if you were to die as you leave this place, where would you spend eternity? Would you go to heaven, or would you go to hell? It's just that simple. The good news is God doesn't want you to go to hell. God wants you to be one of his so you, you can ultimately one day go to heaven. But you have to believe that Jesus Christ died for your sins, was buried and rose again, and that's enough to save you. And not just acknowledge it in your head, but it's in your heart, in your inner being there. I believe this is true, and it's for me. I need Christ. I want Christ. I believe Christ. If you're there like that this morning, just right there in the quietness of your heart, say a simple prayer, something like whatever. Repeating a prayer doesn't save you unless you're praying it from your heart. Dear God, I know I'm a sinner. Please forgive me. I do believe that Jesus Christ is your son. I believe he died for my sins and rose again. God, please save me now because I believe the gospel. And if you prayed that prayer and you meant it in your heart, God says he'd save you. As a word of testimony, just raise your hand. Just say, I believe it. And I just did that. Just raise your hands right now. God bless you. God bless you. Several of you. God bless you. Way back there. Amen. Now, for you Christians, these people need to see some real Christians who are willing to step up. We're going to give a song of invitation. The prayer bench will be open. 
Why don't you come and say, God, here's my life. Here's my all. Give me the courage, the strength to stand because I know you're God and I know you love me. That's why. In Jesus' name. And everybody said? Let's everybody stand, if you would, please. And as Stan sings, if God spoke to your heart, prayer bench is open. You can come and pray. Just say, God, here's my life. Whatever it might be, he needs some people to stand up for him. Will you be one of those people? You come if God spoke to you. God bless you. Turn your eyes upon. We hope you received a blessing from today's broadcast. We would love to have you visit with us in person. For more information, please visit our website at gpnd.net or contact us by phone at 317-535-3512. You can watch us live and view past services on our website, Facebook, or YouTube channel. Until next broadcast, may God richly bless you as our prayer.